Welcome to Karma Light Conversations. This is Frances Harry. Thank you for coming here and sharing in with our Carmelite spirituality. The Feast of St. Joseph is March 19th. And after the Blessed Virgin Mary, he's the greatest saint of all time. This year, in 2022, the Knights of Columbus announced the selection of an icon of St. Joseph, holding the child Jesus as the centerpiece of this year's Knights of Columbus prayer program. Our secular order of discussed Carmelites was blessed to have a copy of this traveling icon with us during our holy hour for our secular order discussed Carmelite meeting. Deacon Baldwin gave us a presentation on this icon and what it signifies. St. Joseph was highly esteemed by St. Teresa of Avila, the foundress of the discussed Carmelites. So we are overjoyed to ponder him anew. So I introduce you to Deacon Baldwin and his presentation called, Go to St. Joseph. Once again, I'd like to thank Herb Edwards and the Knights of Columbus for arranging for us to have this stunning icon of St. Joseph here for our holy hour, which we'll venerate afterwards. As Herb said, the icon's home is at St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal, Canada, which happens to be the preeminent, preeminent shrine to St. Joseph, founded by St. Andre Bisset. Now, in iconography, every aspect of the icon has significance. And some of the distinctive elements of this St. Joseph icon are described in the Knights of Columbus brochure that accompanies it. These include the posture of St. Joseph, who is standing with his eyes humbly cast down, but with a determined look of strength in his face. In his covered arm, he bears the child Jesus, whose own hand is raised, blessing the world. St. Joseph's covered arm reminds me of how the humeral veil covers the arms of the priest or deacon as they lift up our Lord in the monstrance at benediction. The symbolism is intended to convey that it is our Lord in the most holy Eucharist alone who is giving the blessing. The minister is, as much as possible, hidden. It's interesting that hiddenness was the chief characteristic of St. Joseph's life. In his right arm, St. Joseph holds a flowering staff, a sign that he was chosen by God. The white lilies of the staff signify his purity and chastity. The four Greek letters above St. Joseph's left shoulder are a monogram of our Lord's name. The first two letters in Greek are iota and sigma, and these are the first and last letters of Jesus in Greek. The last two, chi and sigma, are the first and last letters of the word Christ in Greek. They have lines over them to signify they are abbreviations of sacred names. The three Greek letters in our Lord's cruciform halo read from top to left to right are Omicron, Omega, Nu, which means 
he who is, or I am, which both affirms our Lord's divinity as well as his unity with God the Father. You'll recall that this is the answer Moses received from God in the burning bush when Moses asked God his name, as recorded in the Old Testament book of Exodus. The Old Testament is replete with people and events who can be seen in retrospect to be a sign that points to their fulfillment in the people and events of the New Testament. Our Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary, the new Adam and the new Eve are prefigured by Adam and Eve from the Old Testament and show in their sinlessness the fulfillment of who Adam and Eve were intended to be. A Dominican friar and expert on St. Joseph, Father Gaznier, explains that many Christians over the centuries have seen St. Joseph prefigured in the Old Testament. By the way, much of the material for this homily is quoted from St. Gaznier's book called St. Joseph the Silent. They saw, for instance, in the patriarch Noah, who drew into the ark the dove bearing the green olive branch in her beak as a sign that the rains had ceased, an image of St. Joseph, guardian of Mary, that mystic dove who was bearing Jesus Christ and who would bring salvation to the world. In Eleazar, also a faithful servant of Isaac's family who was charged with watching over the bride of his master, they see a figure of Joseph to whom was confided the guardianship of the Virgin Mother. But most especially, they saw Mary's husband Joseph in the person from the Old Testament who bears the same name, Joseph, the son of Jacob. You'll recall that Pharaoh, marveling at the wisdom of his steward, made him governor of his kingdom. And to all who came to him crying for food during the famine in Egypt, he said, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. In just the same way, the second Joseph, who was charged with providing bread for the family at, in Nazareth, and the church herself, in proclaiming him universal patron, and even more so, our order declaring St. Joseph protector of Carmel, applies to him the command given by Pharaoh, go to Joseph, put yourself under his protection, have confidence in his wisdom and power. Another virtue common to both Joseph's completes the touching parallel, namely their chastity. The first Joseph recoiled from the vile suggestion of Potiphar's wife, saying, My master has put all that he owns in my care, nor has he withheld a single thing from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I commit this great crime and sin against God? And mad with resentment, she falsely accused him to her husband, and Joseph was cast into prison, a place he preferred to sin. Even more perfect was the chastity of the second Joseph, who not only refrained from any sinful action, but knowing that God's chosen possession, the most perfect of creatures, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, was placed in his care, 
preserve boundless respect and veneration for her. As a final example, God had ordered Moses to hang a veil of fine linen woven in hyacinth and purple and scarlet yarns before the Ark of the Covenant, itself a sign of Mary, so as to shield it from the gaze of the profane. This veil, too, may be thought of as an image of Joseph, himself an object of honor and respect, who by his presence alone imposed on others reverence for Mary and guarded the secret of the virginal incarnation. Not a single word of Joseph is recorded in Scripture. There's not even a tradition concerning Joseph's burial place, nor, there is, nor is there any spot where his relics are venerated. Silent in life, silent in death, he was stripped of all things not essential to true glory. And due to this true glory, after Mary, he is the greatest of all the saints. Our Holy Mother, St. Teresa of Avila, was deeply devoted to St. Joseph. In her autobiography, shortly after entering Carmel while at the Monastery of the Incarnation in Avila, Teresa became ill and wasn't responding to treatment, so she was released to her family. After a time and several unsuccessful treatments, she fell into a coma and at one point was thought to have died. After four days, she revived but was partially paralyzed. She soon returned to incarnation but remained ill for about three years. And she prayed often to St. Joseph for healing and credits his intercession for her ultimate recovery from the paralysis. In chapter 6 of her autobiography, she writes of her devotion to St. Joseph. She said, I cannot recall that I have at any time asked him for anything which he did not obtain. And I am filled with amazement when I consider the great favors God has granted me through this blessed saint and the dangers both of body and soul from which he has delivered me. She also writes, to other saints, our Lord seems to have been given the power to aid us in some special necessity. But to this glorious saint, I know by my experience, he has given the power to help us in all things. Our Lord would have understood that he was subject to Joseph on earth. Our Lord in heaven now grants all his petitions. And for those of us in the School of Prayer in Carmel, St. Teresa especially commends St. Joseph to us with the following words. Those persons who have given themselves to prayer should, in a special manner, always have a great devotion to St. Joseph. He who cannot find anyone to teach him how to pray, let him take this glorious saint for his guide, and he will not lose his way. Though there's much more that could be said about our Holy Mother's devotion, a final anecdote will have to suffice before moving on. We all know that the very first Discalced Carmelite Monastery, founded in 1562 by St. Teresa, was named St. Joseph. What you may not know is that our Lord himself 
encouraged St. Teresa to found this monastery by promising that one, St. Joseph would watch over the monastery at one door. Two, Our Lady would watch over the monastery at the other door. And three, that Christ would go with them. How beautiful is that? The hallmark of St. Joseph's spirituality, if you want to put it that, this way, was his immediate obedience. Pope Francis said, the spiritual path that Joseph traces for us is not one that explains, but accepts. And it was obedience that made it possible for St. Joseph to surmount his difficulties. But obedience, immediate or otherwise, is not a very popular topic, is it? Be that as it may, I think we would all do well to consider if we ourselves expect or even dare to demand that God explain himself to our satisfaction before we, in obedience, accept the trials he has sent our way or accept our lot in life, as St. Joseph did. This is not the way of St. Joseph. This is not the way of a vocation in karma. For as Pope Francis also explains, every true vocation is born of a gift of oneself, which is the fruit of mature sacrifice. And a sacrificial love is not the result of a cost-benefit calculation or some analysis to see if the sacrifice is worth it. No, love does not calculate the cost. And if any of us came to Carmel without the intention to give rather than to receive, then we do not yet understand our vocation. So too, if we go to prayer to receive from him rather than to give him the gift of ourselves, we do not yet understand what it means to pray. St. Joseph's life serves as a guide to us in this regard. His entire life was a quiet, unassuming, and humble gift of self. He was a man of few words, befitting one so close to both the Son of God and the Mother of God. A man of holy silence, so appropriate for one ready to make any sacrifice out of his deep love for God. And so, with our Holy Mother, St. Teresa, let us not hesitate to turn to the protector of our order. And I think St. Pope Francis, with him, she too would say, St. Joseph loves you with a father's heart. Therefore, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you.